the Bad Batch is done, Mando has just begun, and we're about to have some fun. All that and more after the jump. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Kenobi! Rebellions are built on hope. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and the traitor. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Never tell me the odds. Well done. You're a rebel now. Hello there, Rebels, and welcome to Reckless Rebellion, the podcast with enough chaotic energy to fuel a Death Star. I am not your rogue leader. I'm your master of chaos and pod racing enthusiast, King, King of the Hoth. Jesus Christ, I cannot talk today. The Klein Felt, and joining me today, just the two of us. It is just Han and Chewie aboard the Millennium Falcon today. It is Scarif Native and Anakin's favorite Padawan, Jacksonville, pew, 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 pews. Baby Jack Jack, how you doing? I'm doing good. I feel like Klein, I think you said it last week. You're just the mainstay, and then it's just like a reoccurring guest. Each yeah, week. this is my I show now. One... <laughs> Look at me. Uh, I, I'm the captain now. Little, um, oh God, Captain Phillips? Captain Phillips, movie? Tom okay, Hanks, good. National Jeez. Treasure. Tom Hanks, very quick question. Best actor of all time? Greatest actor of all time? That's a good question i'm gonna say I no might, i think i think it might be the goat if we're See, talking if we're talking that's... straight bangers i think he has more bangers than just about anyone else oh and very oh, quickly boy. joining us live from the megacon floor it is thomas carter rochester our fearless leader thomas yes. is tom I'm hanks back. the greatest actor of all time well he's got the name thomas so obviously <laughs> um although no <laughs> you sound terrible. You're choppy. Your video is awful. Uh, yeah. It does not sound good. How are but, things looking uh, for Megacon? This is why you're not on the show today. You're just going to drop in, say hello. How are things looking? Things are looking well. Uh, I didn't know you were going to be recording already. So I just hit, hopped in to show you guys Star Wars World, which I am literally in the center of. Let me turn this camera around because of. The Technology. camera, the video is not working. Like, I, I don't, we're not going to be able to see anything. Oh, man. Well, that's unfortunate because there's amazing stuff right there. There's amazing stuff right there. I, this is hilarious. I genuinely did not know you guys were going to be. Oh, uh, we're quick. We're quick, man. We just get like going. When I have to, yeah. So what you're saying is 15 minutes, and then when you all run the show, it's fast. Exactly. So why am I? <laughs> I don't know what you just said. You I don't know what's happening. Thomas. You leave. I'm going to there. Okay, he's gone. Uh, that was uh, I don't know what just happened. Thomas is at MegaCon. If you're wondering why it is just Jack and I here today, um, he is down in where is MegaCon? Orlando. Orlando, I think. Orlando. So he's doing that, hanging out, meeting all the folks, seeing all the peeps. If you see him down there, shake hands, say hello. But we've got a show to do here today, Jack. Before we get to all that, though, as usual, we want to check in with the smartest execute order 50% of this podcast. How are you doing? How is life? How are things in the great beyond? I was telling you a little bit earlier, Klein, just just busy. And, and it seems like the whole world is busy. I mean, baseball's back. Trump, Donald Trump's been indicted. Uh, the Masters is a week away. Like, I don't know. It's just a ton going on in the world right now. Um, but I've I've been doing good, just kind of doing day in, day out, getting through the week, getting to the weekend. It was my birthday 
weekend, as I like to call it. Was. it Happy 13th. Weekend. Thanks, man. <laughs> you can go, finally go see PG-13 movies. Are you excited? You've got a whole I, world I is am. just open up to you. You can finally see Spider-Man 2. Like, this is huge. Well, you know, I tried to convince my dad and mom to let me watch Revenge of the Sith uh, years ago, but they just mm-hmm. they wouldn't let me because I wasn't old enough. Um, no. Apparently, a guy, you know. They had the high ground, some would, some would say. I know what that means now because I just saw the movie for the first time. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. I'm glad that you finally seen all of the Star Wars movies uh, on the for the show that you know tackles everything Star Wars. Klein, can we go back to the Tom Tom Hanks thing? I almost said Thomas. Yeah. Hanks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thomas rudely Thomas. interrupted our Tom Hanks conversation. <laughs> Tom Hanks, greatest actor of all time. I'm so I'm going to make a golf comparison here, so not many people will get this, but I okay. will. That's what's okay. important. Tom Hanks is the Jack Nicholas of actors and what i mean by that is consistency he has the most major wins of all time not saying tom hanks is like the most decorated actor of all time but he's like no but i would say like non-stop hit yeah yeah but the thing is and i think pretty much everyone agrees on this tiger woods is the best skilled golfer of all time he may not have as many majors so i think there are more skilled actors out there than tom Tom hanks Hanks, not the best tools or not the best tools but he knows how to use the tools he has and he's been fortunate to work with just incredible people who've made incredible movies as a whole so yeah tom hanks is just things have just worked out for that guy i'm glad that we started uh our (laughs) star wars podcast with a 10 minute five minute (laughs) tom hanks discussion but we're gonna get into the meat and potatoes of the episode we got plenty to do today we've got the latest in the intergalactic news in our rebel report we're gonna tackle the bad batch finale season two is over and of course we are going to do a little bit of mandalorian shatter because mandalorian season three is running right now on disney plus so jack Let's just let's dive right into it. Let's get into the Bad Batch season two, episode 15 and 16 in our flagship topic. Boo, 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 boo. Oh, well done. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Season two has come and gone. I can't believe it. I think we ended on a pretty decent high, if I do say so myself. Yes, uh, we had episode 15 and 16. I'll run through a very quick summary of kind of what they did. If you haven't seen the episodes, go watch them. Come back. This will be here for you afterwards. I'm about to spoil the living hell out of both of these things. Uh, episode 15 titled The Summit. Episode 16 titled Plan 99. And episode 15, I will say a little bit of a shorter recap than episode 16 because... Not a ton happened in episode 15, but we'll jump right into it. Episode 15, the summit sees the Bad Batch embarking on a covert infiltration of an Imperial summit to learn where Dr. Hemlock's base is, uh, which is kind of what we got the tease of at the end of last week. We get a Krennic cameo here, a Tarkin cameo. Very cool. Um, During the summit mission, things kind of go awry. They come across Saw Gerrera. Did you pop for Saw Gerrera, Jack? Did you get excited? I did. Oh, my God, I did. Very cool little inclusion in here. Um, And then during a bit of a mad dash escape, after the Empire is kind of alerted to their presence, Saw blows everything up. um, And we leave the team kind of stranded on this rail car out in the middle of really nowhere, just hanging from this thing. And it was not a ton happened here, but it was awesome, action-packed fun. Episode 15, very quickly, Jack. And then we'll we'll dive in deeper after we go through both of them. But very quickly, what did you think of episode 15? 
Uh, it was good. It, these two episodes, I think, even more than like the mid-season finale, played much more like a part one and a part two rather than yeah. their own individual episodes. Which I'm actually, like, they weren't just one thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they did it. They did a 70 minute premiere for this whole show back in season one. So, yeah, it's kind of surprising. Uh, but yeah, I wish I didn't have the captions on because they had a uh, what would you call it? They, they signified that it was soft speaking before he took his helmet off. And I would have gotten a little bit bigger of a pop if I saw him take the helmet off. It's like, oh, my God, it's Saul. But I forgot they had met Saul before in season one. So that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, good setup. Good tease. Love the cameos, uh, especially Tarkin. Just cool that he was in there. We get the they what he he says the words Project Stardust, which oh, I just think God. is like one of the coolest things in Star Wars is just those three words put together. Uh, but yeah, it's it was good. Episode sixteen though, I think was uh was was amazing. Um, Plan ninety nine <laughs> back at the summit, the batch they are still stranded, and the Empire or Tarkin orders kind of an air assault on this rail line that they are stuck on in trying to save the squad tech gets up on top of this thing goes over because they've been kind of depowered goes over to this tower to repower i don't mean to be rhyming here um <laughs> to repower this kind of rail car tram gondola thing and he does it gets back to the rail car and then things start to go awry. He is hung off the end of the this kind of dually rail car and is hanging there as this one car looks is about to fall. They need to bring him in. Wrecker's talking to him. He goes, we need to get you on board. And Tech's like, don't move. You're going to mess up the whole balance of everything. And then we all could potentially die. And that's when it happens, Jack. Tech turns to Wrecker. Wrecker says, we need you to get up here. And Wrecker's or Tech says, the best soldiers don't, or we're not good. We're no good at following orders. We've never like been that. good at following. We've order. never been or good at following. Maybe orders. he said, since when have we ever been good at following orders? Exactly. And he shoots the fastener between the two cars and they tump. He tumbles to his death. Fucking chills. And that is when Klein started crying as the first time of the of Bad Batch. I have teared up. I have Let's not. Go. I am such an easy mark. I cried everything. This is the first time I've cried during the Bad Batch. From there, the team kind of takes a bit of a tumble as well. They get a little injured and they get back to Sid somehow, some way. Um, but turns out, here it is. The big turn we've been waiting for. Sid has alerted the empire to their presence here back at her bar and she did them in the batch and omega they get captured by dr hemlock echo saves hunter and wrecker but could not get to omega and then that's kind of where we leave the batch themselves they have no idea where omega is she's been taken their goal is to find her but we get a couple more very quick things before the whole season rounds out is omega has been transported to Mount Tantis, right? Yes, I think so. Okay, Mount Tantis, the cloning facility where Crosshairs is. She comes across Crosshairs. She yells at Crosshairs, goes, Crosshairs, it's me, Omega. Um, she's not doing super great. Uh, she's just lost one of her dads. She's very upset. Uh, and we close on learning a little conversation she has with this doctor that was helping Crosshair in the last episode, or a couple episodes ago, that this doctor is her sister and is indeed a clone I herself. Knew I knew you knew it. it. You knew it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you said something on the podcast then, because then we could have, you know, run that back when it happened this morning, Jack, <laughs> but that's it. That's season two. We leave on this 
like pretty big cliffhanger that we I think we've kind of met the the alpha to the omega for lack of a better term. Um, what did we think, Jack? These two episodes will kind of smash them together because that feels like one yeah. one. I don't know, two pieces of one whole. But what did you think overall of these last two episodes? Well, first, Klein, let me say, we, we got to remember who the alpha was. Or I don't actually... The alpha I is could... Django, I guess, technically. Yeah, I always... I like thinking that it's Boba because technically Boba is the... I don't know if he was the first clone, but he is he is a clone, unlike I'd Django. like to think that maybe even Omega came before Boba. Ooh... I gotta rewatch season one. I feel like they talked a lot about this stuff, and I, I know I was reading stories today about like her clone history, like Omegas, and I'm like, oh yeah, like I forgot about that, and I forgot yeah. about that. They've talked about like the um, perfect cloning of her, and she was meant to, uh, like, yeah, I don't know. So but, maybe not the most expert analysis from me on these two episodes, no. but. Um, I will say when I say I knew it, I just knew that lady was a clone. I could tell by the way she talked and some of the way, like how she looked a little bit. I I was thinking last week, um, which I was not on the podcast for, so I couldn't say this. Uh, but I was saying I was like, man, she. I think she's a clone. But I like how she didn't just say like, hey, I'm a clone too. She's like, I'm your sister, and I'm like, huh, okay. And Thomas brought up a good point. I was texting him this morning of like, she just lost a brother technically in tech. And now she gains a sister. So it's just kind of like a cool, cool parallel. Um, but yeah, man, when Tech died, I didn't get emotional. But holy shit, I love the line of since when have we ever follow, been good at following yeah. orders? Because like, it's, it, it's, it's crazy the whole that, clone like, thing. You say you didn't get emotional. I don't know if I was like emotional at him. I don't know. I, I don't feel like a great attachment to tech. Like I've actually kind of like not been a huge tech fan. And right. we talked about this here on this, on this um very show, but like, I don't know, just like the stakes of it all. And the music was going and he, he has this, this killer line at the end and just goes bang. Omega's reaction was really good. And I knew he was dying. I knew he was going to oh, die coming yeah. in. Well, no, just like even before watching the episodes, because Heavy is the head, as we say on the show all the time. I'm an editor at the direct.com and I've been oh. reading stories about this. I knew the clone reveal as well at the very end. Oh. And yet it still hit for me. Like I it's it's funny how I knew that tech was going to die, and yet the death still was like, oh my god. I just cause I didn't I thought, oh, okay, there's an aerial assault. He's gonna get shot. He's gonna power them up and he's gonna get shot and something's gonna happen but the fact that he went out on his accord it wasn't yeah. the empire who took him down it wasn't i don't know some bounty hunter like he did it he was the master of his own disaster sort of thing i love the depth we got with tech as a character this season because that was my big problem with the first season season is that i didn't feel like we dove into the characters the individual characters of the bad batch that much um, except for like Omega and Hunter. And they just kind of just pushed everyone else to the side. And this season, whether it was Echo or Te Tech especially, we got a ton of it. But because of that, like, especially with that scene in episode uh, 15 uh, between him and uh, Fee. Is that her name? Fee? I think so. Uh, Wanda Sykes? Yeah, Fee. Um, like, it's like, okay, yeah, Tech is going to die. So, like, I, I knew that was coming from the the moment I saw that they were about to have a scene together. And again, with the way he was developed, you just kind of knew it was coming. But Klein, I have a prediction, man. I told Thomas this this morning. We're getting a season three. 
yeah <laughs> well hopefully <laughs> god unless it's a willow situation um wait did the willow tv show have a big cliffhanger that they're never going to address Oh, I don't know about that. I just know it got canceled. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So, what, like, like, what I didn't know you were such a big Willow around. guy. I, I knew you liked Warwick Davis. <laughs> never but... seen Willow in my life. Um, what the fuck was I going to say? Oh, I don't think Tech is dead. Or I what? do, but... That's crazy. He, You're crazy. I know I am. But How also I'm not that fall? Star Wars. Because he, he, this... So here's... I told... This is what I said to Thomas. I thought he was dead. And then... Omega is talking to Hunter at the we end. We need to go like, back to for him. Yeah, and he he didn't make it. And then, but then there's a scene with the Doctor Hemlock, and he decides to throw the goggles. I'm like, oh, they found his body. The scientist who is like into all this cloning he and apparently is, has no. he has exactly he has cloning secrets, science secrets that he's like into and investigating. Well, before you like answer your own question, Jack, I just want to quickly yes. throw it in here. This is coming from a listener from at SJ, so oh, I guess yes, Sergeant yes. Hunter's angel on Twitter. She wrote, did you all cry as much as I did during the bad batch? Yes, I did. Um, but more importantly, you just asked yourself, but content here we are. Do you think that tech is truly Beautiful. redacted? I refuse to say it. Do you think he's dead? Yes or no? Hmm. How do I want to phrase this? I'll say, I'll just say no. I'll I'll be that guy. Um, I don't, I think tech is dead. I don't know if that corporeal form. Okay. Once tech is dead. That's like, I think tech himself is dead. I agree. I I talked myself out of it this morning for something else. Exactly. I talked myself out of it this morning because, um, I was like, if they do that, like if tech is still technically there, it, like, somehow as tech, tech returned it's, exactly it's gonna be it's gonna be what they did with echo and it'd just be the story repeating itself because echo died and and star wars never does that oh no never uh <laughs> so i i'll agree with what you said i, I guess tech is technically dead <laughs> tech is technically um but i do think and i i would like it well i don't know if i'd like it but i think it'd be cool it's a cool idea if like Hemlock like turns him into a weapon of some sort and like that, like the bad batch has to face him in some way, but I don't want tech to be there at all. Like I don't want any sort of like, Oh, we can get tech back type of thing. Cause again, we got that in season seven of Clone Wars and I don't need it again. Um, but yeah, well, getting off that point, um, the Sid thing again, saw it coming from a mile away, but I like how they executed it. I liked how much tech's death, affected um wrecker in particular i like seeing emotions out of him that weren't comedic in any way i feel like something with wrecker always just kind of turns into comedy but there's some great moments of him like wiping away tears and sitting at that i bar like alone. that wrecker was the one that like he was the one that was there like, yeah he, he was the one talking tech not off the ledge because he was already on the off the ledge but like talking him in his final moments which i think that as silly as both of these characters are and as um, kind of archetypal as they both are, I, they're, they're, they're ying to each other's yang. They're very much like tech is the brains, yep. the smarts of the operation. He's going to look at everything analytically. Wrecker is the opposite. He's the wrecking ball. He's the goofball. He's the, he's the silly, fun, big, lovable Drax. And like, I, I did like that. Yeah, you're right. They did show a bit of dimension with these characters. This episode, or these two episodes, I think, did a lot for me 
with this group of characters. And I think if you had shown me this episode and then shown me like without you wipe bad batch from my brain and shown me some of this like weirder episodes of this season and even the first season, I'll be like, these are two two totally different like series. Like, I don't, I have no idea how these get to like how we get from there to there. Oh, Clyde, we got to talk about it real quick. The video game first person point of view when oh omega, of, omega waking, waking up. up very different for like for this series i thought i thought it was so cool <laughs> i know i know i i've you see it a lot in action movie making and all that but like it felt so i don't want to say innovative because i don't think that's the right word but it just it felt so out of the element for this mm-hmm. thing it felt so above this almost you know yeah like that's like a I, filmmaking technique exactly um i felt like i was playing <laughs> a call of duty <laughs> like like yeah. the one video game i've played in my life along with a couple of star wars games i felt like i was like i just got like a grenade launcher or something like shot at me and i'm trying to like wake up in the store you're on some oil rig in the arabian yeah. <laughs> sea and it's yeah <laughs> right <laughs> The bad oh. guy's gonna come and walk over you and be like, "Have you ever heard the definition of insanity?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The animation overall in these two episodes—I mean, it's been great all season. But like, that's there the are a crazy thing shots about this show is as, as like phenomenal. silly and Saturday morning cartoons as it can get. It's, it's fucking beautiful. It like really <laughs> this art style is amazing. Now, Jack. Yes, sir. we've. I feel like over. Overall thoughts of the season, then, because I feel oh, like I knew you we've were talked about these this, last dude. two episodes. Do you think that's hmm? How do I want to? Do you think that season two was a success? Mm. I will say on a base level, yes. Okay. Because it gave me more with the characters, which is what I wanted after season one. Um, like more, as you said, more dimension to them. Um, and it got me invested in the overarching story, even though I think it was they really, really struggled early on. And even throughout the rest of the episodes, I'll be honest, in just making that there was a sense of almost prevalent. waywardness, I think, yes. in this disjointed identity. I don't know, like wondering what identity crisis kind of thing. Yeah, an identity crisis a little bit. Yeah, That's what I feel I do think it was a success as well. Um but there were definitely some lows. And Big lows. Exactly. This felt very like we kept comparing it to different seasons of Clone Wars and stuff like that. This feels almost like a distillation of the entire series of Clone Wars into a season <laughs> of television where it's just like yeah. everywhere. Like it, 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 it touched on everything the Clone Wars did. And I don't mean like particular elements. I just mean like like everything over the seven seasons, right? It's we're going to do the like the pog racing or whatever. And then we're going to have like epic, like the finale where it's emotional and Klein's crying at a clone dying. But Klein, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a tough one because I don't know if you remember. What is your favorite episode of the season? Ooh, quick superlative I'm... here. Oh, man. I really liked this last one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, episode 16. 
And then the duology in the middle uh, with the Clone Wars. Like, I think that that Senate scene in, I forget which episode that was, but it's in the mid-season finale when we got those two episodes. That Senate sequence, I think, was like, like, that's like peak animated Star Wars. Like, that's some awesome Star Wars shit uh when when we have this whole like when the table gets turned right when the emperor comes mm-hmm. out I'm like oh man no matter what we do like you guys are screwed and then i win. think it was episode three as well which was this awesome yes. crosshairs like covert mission episode yeah I'm so gonna, i don't know i it for me it's a toss-up between the mid-season finale i'll just say both episodes and um maybe it was episode four I also really like the 13? snow episode with yes. um with crosshairs. I, that's, that's my favorite, I think, of this season. It, it, the mid season finale is so good, and like that's that's my like that's my definition of uh, kind of as you said, like perfect Star Wars animated content. But I just I don't think I really don't know if Star Wars animation has ever gone as deep as that episode with Crosshair and the fourteen. Fourteen's dark. Like that's the yeah. that episode was it was was that last week? No, I no. think it was thirteen. It was, two, it was 13, twelve or thirteen. Okay. Yeah, because last week was what happened last week? Oh my god, was, was last week Pabu? No, it wasn't. That was the week before. Yeah, oh, hang on, last week. Hang on. I remember Cody and and Echo and Echo comes to them. Oh, because they. They um, they take oh, down point. like the clone transport, right? They take down the clone transport, yes, and then they is what it's called. They go back to Coruscant, and the Coruscant Chuchi's there, and they're like, "Okay, we need to decode the code." And he goes, "I think I know a guy," and that's they go to Pabu. Okay, okay so season two, episode thirteen is Pabu, um, and then episode twelve is the outpost. That's the one with the snow. Like, I don't know if, like, golly, like, I felt like I was watching a very mature, very just like mature themes for, yes. uh, yeah, for an animated series for the same series that featured Ben Schwartz as like a stupid racing <laughs> robot. <laughs> okay, Klein, I, 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 unless you have anything else to say, I think we've arrived. Uh, how many bad batchers? No, I've got one, one more question for you, Jack, before okay. we get to that. All right, lay it on me. Coming off of this, are you excited for season three? Oh. Um. Hmm. See, here's the thing, Klein. I'm a sucker for any mystery. Like literally anything that's yeah. a mystery, I'm oh, a yeah. sucker for. That's why. That's why. Like Breaking Bad got me right. Like because at end of season, it would be like right. what. <laughs> <laughs> um. So like, I don't know how much I'm excited for next season, just because I want to know what the hell's going on in terms of all the cloning stuff. Mm-hmm. Versus like how much I'm actually invested in this show. So, but I'm gonna say yes because the, the mystery is there, but it's not like a resounding, absolutely type of thing. How about you? I think that I'm excited for it in the same way. I I, I think I'm more excited for season three than I was for season two. Mm. I will say that I think I like season two more than I liked season one. There was more of what I want this show to be in it. I think we need to lean even more in that direction. I think that mm-hmm. the create the people behind this series, we need to sit in a room. We need, I'll even come on the Zoom call, guys. Like if you need me there, I'll <laughs> call I can him. I can hang out. But we need to take the uh, like the, the these moments of greatness here and distill it. Like it doesn't need to be sixteen episodes. Like it, yeah. if if there's going to be eight episodes of this, just like I don't want to call it filler because that's not how like I hate that. I just hate that word, Me but too. like 
I, I think that there's a better way to, to, to accomplish this, make it this not mature. Cause I do want younger audiences to still be able to get into it, but like a more elevated experience than hang out with Ben Schwartz racing carts or whatever. Make it Tales of the Jedi. Like talk about streamlined, yeah. you know, like, and, and you don't have to do just six. It doesn't have to be do that far, but like, I think, yeah, eight episodes of, and every one of them has this feeling like this. Yeah. And then I can go to people like David Thompson and I can go to people like Matt Remke. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I just said both direct podcast hosts, but they're the people in my because life that are the most skeptical the animated that, Star Wars yes, people. It's exactly and then I can why. go to them and go, look at, like, this is what this show can, like, this is what's special about the show. Whereas right now, I don't know if I can recommend it to them. I can recommend moments, but I don't know if I could recommend the series to them. Bingo. You, you nailed it there, Klein. Um, I will say, though, uh, I just got Matt to start watching Star Wars Rebels and he started today because he was on a flight and he's texting me about oh, it and it's very awesome. exciting. Uh, I think he was two minutes just into the show. Both cats. Yeah, he was two minutes into the show. You know, hang on. I'm going to pull up his text because I want to get it exactly right. Uno momento. Do, 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 do. He goes, I already love this Aladdin kid. I am two minutes in. I'm like, oh, dude, if you love him now, (laughs) (laughs) you really, when you rewatch that first episode, it's like, yeah, Aladdin street rat, except it's a, what do they call him? Uh, loath rat (laughs) instead of street rat. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Star Wars. I don't, I, I'll be interested to hear what he has to say about that first season because I don't, I'm not a huge rebels first season fan. I, I, once they get off Lethal and like start to broaden it a little bit, whereas it felt mm-hmm. very contained in that first season, once they start to sure. blow it up a little bigger, that's when I think that that show gets really special. But okay, yes, Jack, we've come to this okay, point. Now How many here. Bad Batchers out of five are we going to do the whole season? I think we should do the whole season. Yes, let's do 15 and 16 as one first. Okay. And then we'll do the whole season as another. I'm giving 50 and 16 together a four and a half out of five bad batchers. Whoa, good for you. Good for you. I think this is on the level of Star Wars, uh, like Clone Wars Uh. final season. Wow. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Sorry, I threw a South Park joke in there. To anyone who watches South Park, I just did a little <laughs> South Park bit. I couldn't help myself. Know? Okay, total non sequitur <laughs> about South Park. I'm scrolling on TikTok last night. And you want to know what comes up that I totally forgot about? The South Park song about, um, please get off your phone when you're yeah. being president. And I was just like, I totally forgot this song, but it's a beggar. Oh my God. I remember when that aired and I, yes, I had the exact same thought. It is an absolute banger. And it's, I think Cartman comes so on and raps. Oh my God. He's doing the logic thing. Yeah. <laughs> like the suicide hotline. Oh my gosh. If you haven't seen that episode, if you haven't watched South Park, go watch South Park. It's just, just look up like the list of the top 10 or top 20 best South Park episodes. You'll be so happy you did. Um, the hell were we talking about? Oh yeah. The, the bad bad, how many bad bachelors out of five? Um, you did four and a half. Uh, Thomas did four out of five, by the way. I think he did both together. No one um, cares what that man has to think. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a mega con, meeting celebrities, hands with hating Christensen and signing babies and doing whatever he does. <laughs> Looking like Thor. Um, ooh, it's tough. I know I didn't like it as much as you, so I'll say that. It's kind of giving my thought process here. I, I know. I, I, this show sucks. Just kidding. Uh, I'm gonna go. 
But by the way, I listened to last week's episode. I didn't do like 3.68215 type of shit. <laughs> I did 3.75. We did quarters. It, that makes sense still. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll I like do. That you come with the receipts. I appreciate that. Too. Oh, I have to, man. Um, I have to do four out of five as well. Uh, I was going to go three and a half. I there. said 4.5 uh, out of five, but I, I, I know you did. Um, Sorry, I was going to go 3.75 there again, but just to not make Klein mad. And also, <laughs> I do think it was executed very well. Dude, I just paint, I like be the be the be the I don't know, the master of your own story, you know. Paint pave the way in front of you. If you want to do decimals, do decimals. No, 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 no I won't. I, okay, fuck it. 3.9. <laughs> 3.9, nice. Um, we'll, we'll season overall. That. Jack. Oh, now that's tough. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now I might go 3.5218. Um God, there were really some big lows. But I the thing is, and this is how I think about it, it's like how much do those lows affect me, particularly when I come to the end like this? They rocked like, me to my core, Jack. Okay, see in that case, it's it's going <laughs> to have a larger impact on my score. But for me like the only week I really think about <laughs> that bothers me so much is that racing episode. <laughs> it's so bad and it's so pointless. Um, but you can see why they were doing it now, right? Because like tech's yes. dead. And so it's like yeah, we need right, to keep right. focusing on tech every chance we get. Are we setting up a, a potential maybe sexual relationship between Wanda Sykes and tech? Like, I don't know. They end up leaving. Uh, Last week they were teasing, or a couple of weeks ago they were teasing that. And then on this episode, they they have this conversation, and she's like, "You know, friends call that having a conversation." And it's like, <laughs> oh, so they're just like pals? Like, what if what if he's like pregnant in this premiere of season baby, three? Baby tech, <laughs> baby tech, and he he comes out with goggles. <laughs> would call call it Delta. That would be cool. That would be cool. Um, I kind of want it now. Uh, I'm going to go, hang on. I, I amend my previous score. I will stick with four out of five for these two episodes, the two episodes, the finale, um, and the whole season's 3.9. E, I'll go 3.8. <laughs> that racing episode really? sucks. That's higher yeah, than, go... that's higher than I was going to, I think I would give yeah. this season a three and a half. That's fair. I, I can't, I a, can't argue like with a you. seven out of 10, a good, not amazing mileage may vary batch of television some yeah. great some really great in there but also mm -hmm. some like some just very okay remember the indiana jones episode oh god yeah <laughs> shit <laughs> i can't amend my scores i won't amend it i'll stick with 3.8 <sighs> but i will say I, I think the biggest reason why remember I when they were above... fighting crabs in the very first <laughs> Klein, uh, stop it <laughs> i can't stop <laughs> i will never go back and rewatch those episodes um the, my biggest thing coming out of this season is I'm remembering the highs more than the lows until Klein came in and just started, you know, screwing that up. But on my own, I'm thinking about that. Those two crosshair episodes. I'm thinking about the finale, the mid season finale. Um, and honestly, I think I thought the same way with season one, because there were some lows in that season, but I came out thinking about the highs and it helped that the premiere and the finale, I think were the two best episodes in that season. Um, so I don't know the, the bad batches they're keeping my interests, uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I will say Klein, I think the show should end with season three. Cause I just don't know how much more you can do these stories unless they blow my mind with like the premiere first couple episodes next season. But I like, 
I, we're getting to this mystery and stuff. Like I, I don't need this show to go on any longer. Okay. Personally. That's it. Close the book. Man. Put it on the shelf. We did it. Season two of Bad Batch is done. It is over. And now only excellent premiere live action Star Wars content for this foreseeable future. Right, Jack? No, because Star Wars Visions comes out in less than two oh, months. Oh, you're right. Oh, very good point. <laughs> is that not Never premiere mind. television, Klein? It's premiere for me, baby. I can't wait. I can't wait. Jack, let's get into the Rebel Report. News, 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 news. Finally, folks, for the first time in quite some time, I am on this show, and the Rebel Report is not this massive thing of movies and television news and all this stuff. No. But I, I, I do want to make one Marvel. comment. We're not Marvel. We're not Marvel. I do want to make one comment, though, uh, about last week's Rebel Report, about the three supposed movies that will be announced at Star Wars Celebration. I yeah. tweeted this, but I'm going to say it here for the record. Taika Waititi's movie. Yep. The formerly Lindelof's, now Stephen Knight, I think it's his name, movie. And then the third movie that will be announced is Sean Levy's movie that no one has talked about since it came out that he was doing a Star Wars movie. I think those are the three. I say book it. If I'm wrong, I'm going to be very sad because I've never felt so confident about a prediction before. I thought you were going to say about anything at all. <laughs> well, I won't go that far. Um, it, it still is Star Wars and Lucasfilm. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, anyway. For this week's Rebel Report, uh, starting off, Disney has supposedly restricted Lucasfilm's upcoming projects. Above the lines, Jeff Snyder claimed on the Hot Mike podcast with John Roca that the Ravenwood Indiana Jones spinoff show on Disney Plus is dead, quote unquote, dead. Uh, so sad. Before saying that Disney isn't allowing Lucasfilm to make projects other than Star Wars from now on. This rumor comes after Disney Plus canceled Willow after only one season, which was a decision made two months after the show's eight-episode run. Klein, as the biggest Willow fan on God's green Willow. earth, <laughs> um, what do you make of this news? Do you think it's a do you think it's a reasonable decision by Disney? And then do you like the decision by Disney personally as a fan? If this is true, by the way, if it's true, the Willow writer showrunner creator director i forget who it was showrunner i think came out and said that is false we're taking a break oh okay <laughs> <laughs> but i mean yeah it's it it sounds a little different when it's like i, I don't know uh we'll have to see about that one i'm sure yeah. the national treasure folks are also taking a break <laughs> right now um <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the National. Thomas is screaming right now in his headphones listening back to this. I love the National Treasure Does he series. watch it? He loved it. He said it was great. Are you? Dude, maybe I'll have to watch it now. I, that no, trailer no, looks so bad. You don't need to sink to his level. You don't need to roll around in the, in the in trash, in the just slop with Thomas Carter Register. Okay, Jack? You can stay up here with us, hanging out oh with Star Wars God. Vision, living the dream. <laughs> I still have only watched Lucas one episode. Films, upcoming projects. I am a little like a little upset about it. Actually, I think that it's one thing to limit their what it's one thing to like limit their output. Like I think what Marvel's trying to do right now and trying to like kind of call the herd a little bit and slow the roll and go, okay, guys, like we don't we don't need four movies a year. We can slow it down. 
But for them to come back and say, hey, guys, you're only doing Star Wars from now on, nothing else. I don't like that because I think eventually I just don't like that creative restriction, no matter what. I would love more Star Wars, so give me Star Wars. Keep keep that up. But I also think that Lucasfilm can be more than Star Wars. And without the ability to branch out, how are we going to get the next, and I don't mean like Indiana Jones 6, but like the next Indiana Jones in terms of like yeah. the thing after Star Wars, right? Like how else are we going to get fresh ideas and new ideas? And and why can't there be an, a new original thing from Lucasfilm at some point that isn't in one of these franchises? And then that can be the next franchise. I, I that's That's my only issue. And I know that a lot of times these big studios in, in gaming, it happens all the time. It's like, you're only going to make Halo for the next 30 years. And then eventually that flames out. And it's like, well, these creatives, they don't want to be there anymore. You're not going to have, you're going to have much lower retention because after a number of years, no matter how many years or no matter like who it is, eventually you're the people, the talent are going to go. What if I didn't do star Wars and the way that Lucasfilm is set up right now is that means you don't have a future here. And so I just like, I'm, I don't like that. Yeah. I want Star Wars. And I want them to, I like that they're doing this kind of like soul searching, like figuring out who they are and what they should be going forward. But I don't think that like putting these sort of bounds on these creatives is the right answer to that. Part of me as a fan completely agrees with you and that was my initial reaction but also well i, I should say just as a business decision Jill, you jack mr fine <laughs> over here here we go um as a business decision i think it makes sense uh, especially Iger coming in to try to basically quote unquote fix disney if you want to say that um He's 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 trying to make a he's trying to leave it better off than when he came back in. Let's put it like yeah. It it's that crazy that he like Iger as a person is making. I mean, I don't think it is just him, but how long is this dude gonna be there? Right? Like I don't he's know. retired once. He's making he's all of these old. sweeping changes. He is very old. He's making <laughs> all of these sweeping changes, and he's just gonna be like, okay, guys. I got, I've lined up the dominoes for you. Just time for you to knock them down sort of thing. Yeah. Like, is that, I guess that's the idea. And just hope another worldwide pandemic doesn't happen again. Cause I, he did that before, but then, I mean, obviously no one could have. And he found a successor COVID. and he was like, okay, Chapex right. the guy, Chapex the guy. And then the second Chapex took office, you never heard that again from him. And so yep. it's like, well, who's to say that's not going to happen again. It, like, yeah, it's, it's a great point. Um, I do think, though, just as a business decision, especially because of where Star Wars is at, mostly just from the fans' perspective. I mean, not not me. I don't even think you, but from there are a lot of fans out there who are not happy. And and at the end of the day, like they're the ones who are going to give you their money. I mean, they're going to give you their money anyway. People pay the Disney Plus subscription and buy toys and do whatever else and still complain everything that Star Wars puts out. But but still, like it, it, Star Wars isn't in the greatest spot, especially theatrically right now. So I understand that, and I also understand. Look, Kathleen Kennedy, from the way I understand the Lucasfilm executive structure, she is in the in a similar similar role as Kevin Feige. I mean, she's not chief creative officer like he is, but like she, she like when we think of Kevin Feige as the head of, she's Marvel. the holocron keeper. Yeah, she is the head of Lucasfilm. And 
because of that, though, with Lucasfilm, she has to also worry about Indiana Jones Jones and the Dial of Destiny. She has to worry about Willow. She has to worry about all these other things. And at the end of the day, like that's taking her attention away from Star Wars. And again, Star Wars is the big money maker. What what if? Yes. This is going to be crazy. I don't think it will be. I don't know what you're going to say. What if we divorce Star Wars from Lucasfilm? And I mean I that. I, don't think that's a I mean that. What if we have a? What if we? What if we give K. Kath? We say, you know what? You've done great with Star. Wars. <laughs> oh, I'm going to use with, that from now you, on. You've done great with Star Wars. Here's Lucasfilm. You can run that. You can take care of those ventures. I just, I, I guess it's a matter of I don't know if there's enough there to do because other than Star Wars, like Lucasfilm has Indiana Jones, has Willow. Yeah. But like, what else is there? But like. What if we brought someone else in, right? Like, what if they 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 well, elevated the a Dave point. Filoni and said, "Hey, like, yes. you're now in charge of the Star Wars and just Star Wars, yep. just that." So you focus on that. You report to Kath, right? Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She like she just signs the paper like the similar in a similar way that Bob Iger and Kevin Feige. I'm sure Bob Iger it doesn't have like full control over the will and way of the MCU. I'm yes. sure he has, yeah. I'm sure he's in those meetings and it comes down to him like helping the, or getting the approval of the stockholders and all of that. But like, I think that I, I don't know if Kathleen Kennedy or not Kathleen Kennedy, cause I don't want it to just be on her, but like, I think that there sh- could be a way to divorce these two things and you could, I think, even keep it, have the Lucasfilm logo at the beginning of a Star Wars thing and have it under that umbrella. But you could make it almost a separate umbrella within Disney 100%. Um, with Star Wars under it and then have someone at the top of that. A hundred percent. And I think that's what a lot of people have been asking for and calling for. And the idea is similar to the James Gunn and Peter Safran where Peter Safran is more of that producer, a little bit more of the businessman. He's certainly involved in those creative discussions and whatnot, but that's mainly coming from James Gunn. He is like the chief creative officer. Whenever it comes to creative, that's James Gunn. Peter Safran is his right-hand man. I mean, same, um, what would you call it, level of authority, if you will, but the the responsibilities are a little bit different in how they're dividing the work. I think you could do something similar. I think you should elevate someone like a Dave Filoni to that level, like that Kevin Feige level, and then have Kathleen Kath take more of the business side of it, handling Lucasfilm business, and then also Star Wars business and still being involved with everything. Um, that's that's not no, like an original idea from me that I just proposed because, I mean, people have said that before, but I, I think I think that's just kind of at the basis of why this decision was made. I don't really know if I we'll have to see how it plays out this decision to like only focus on star Wars rather than doing something like we just pitched. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's funny. I I think that by the end of June, things will be like a little more clearer because like they're making a lot of these decisions knowing what they have in Indiana Jones. And so I'm like fascinated to know if India, if dial of destiny was like, I don't know, lighting the world on fire behind the scenes. Like if they were watching it and going like, this is, this is amazing. I don't know if they'd be making these same decisions or who knows, maybe this is the send off and this is it. And it is amazing. And they're like, after this, Indiana Jones isn't going to exist. We don't need a Disney plus. Thing. You know, th- that makes, that makes sense. Klein, but also Iger is the one who is, who started the whole trend of 
making live action remakes of all these old Star Wars animated movies. And he just, uh, Disney, I think, came from Deadline. They just confirmed that they're doing the Aristocrats or Cats. Aristocrats. Yeah, Quest um, Love directing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I agree with you that. But maybe but that's what Iger is the I like Iger guy. would be the guy. Yeah, he'd be the yeah. guy to <laughs> confirm, like, like, yeah, let's do this Indiana Jones series. So I don't know. It, it's it's very weird if this is true. Um, we'll have to wait and see, just like we'll have to wait and see with all the Marvel stuff. Just, get, that, that just bring out. Short Round back. Bring, yeah. bring Kiwi Wan and make him Indiana Jones. Honestly, yes. The dude just won an Oscar. He is at, like, every my mom who doesn't watch anything other than, like, NCIS and Law and & Order – like it still watches the news, still watches the news, keeps up with stuff. And she yeah, even knows about T. Hugh Kwan and, and like w- what's been going on with him and his Oscar run with Brendan Fraser. Did you watch Ford. everything everywhere? She, oh, no, pff, dude, she would hate that movie. I she thought, would, I thought the same thing about my in-laws. They watched it apparently the other day and like, and loved it. Loved I, it. I can't even get her to sit down to like watch anything. Like she, except NCIS and Law. Yeah, <laughs> because she doesn't have to pay attention to those, which I get. It's a pre- procedural. Um. Anyway, moving on, guys. A new character has been confirmed for the Ahsoka Disney Plus series, and I was trying to decide whether to include this, but I was like, you know what? Screw it. We will because it's kind of official. Uh, actor Mark Rolston not only confirmed his casting for Ahsoka, but also the identity of his Star Wars character. Fan Travis Corrick posted a photo with which was shared via Reddit of Mark Rolston having autographed an Ahsoka poster confirming his role in the series. But in addition to his signature, Rolston also revealed his character's name, Captain Hale, a brand new character within the Star Wars universe. In addition to his supporting roles in Aliens, The Shawshank Redemption, and The Departed, Rolston is also known for his voice acting and recently voiced Senator Dagonet, I think. Um, in the Star Wars animated series, Tales of the Jedi. Klein, was that the that asshole senator in the Count Dooku episode who was like, like, we're not going to help feed these people. They're, you know, we're making money. Or, and Count Dooku's like, okay, I'm going to kill you. And then Qui-Gon stops him. Senator Dagonet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that's what I thought when I, when I saw Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. He's um, also the, like, weird inmate from Shawshank that, like, that that's who he the plays scary, the scary one like the yeah the oh, one that like dude that him and Ugh. the boys take out tim robbins in the shower and yeah yeah that's oh wait that's not who i was thinking oh you're talking i i i was thinking of the guy oh, who the, actually killed tim robbins uh is that his name tim robbins yeah that that's the actor's name i forget his I forget the character's name <laughs> <laughs> me too um andy do friend uh i thought you were talking about the guy who killed you haven't seen Shawshank I'm so sorry uh, but okay so he plays the other guy okay because I, yeah, I saw yeah. the like aliens I saw Shawshank and the departed I was like I I need to look this guy up so thank you for telling me that um anyway uh Captain Hale Klein brand new character uh but also what if this is all a lie and it, he's playing someone <laughs> of major importance uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did <laughs> <laughs> sure why not um I don't know what do you what do you think of this news I mean it's I don't think it's um, the biggest news in the world. Like, I think it's exciting because we're getting more info about Ahsoka, but I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure. This guy's a character actor mostly. So I'm not, I don't think he'll be super duper crazy involved in it. He might be 
if there's as military like kind of governing stuff as there's been rumors that there's going to be in it i bet you he's captain as in like captain of the new republic of like the new republic mm, interesting. fleet or something and so maybe mon mothma or maybe he works Ahsoka. with harrison Dula. maybe he works with harrison Dula. That'd be pretty cool. Ever think about that, Jack? <laughs> I just did. Um, here, here's a question for you, Klein. Uh, over, under, let's do three and a half episodes. Let's assume Ahsoka is an eight-episode series. We'll do under, over, three and a half. For how many episodes is he in? Yes. Under. Okay. I, I was going to go under as well, but I'll take the over. He's given me, like, one. Timothy Oliphant in, like, Book of Boba Fett vibes. Ooh, you know? that's a like that's, that's kind of the level Shit. that I would I'll put on. Uh, I wanted to be the opposite of you, but I'll just I'll I'll, I'll stay with Klein. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Well, good for you, Mark Rolston. I look forward to seeing you in Ahsoka. Uh, I just want to know when that show's coming out. I want I want a release date. I don't want to wait till Star Wars Celebration in January. What, a week, dude. I would cry if it's January. Oh my god. I would cry. Um, moving on. One of the stars of the upcoming Acolyte series has discussed her work on the show. Speaking with Collider during press rounds for Netflix's Murder Mystery 2, Jodie Turner-Smith dove into her work on Star Wars' The Acolyte for the first time. Working with her favorite director that she's ever worked with in South Korean-American filmmaker Koganada, under, quote, under the leadership of Leslie Headland, uh, unquote, Turner-Smith teased that this series won't be something lighthearted like her past work. She said, obviously, the subject matter is different. It's different when everything that you're doing is lighthearted, and that's not what I was doing for Star Wars. But I was working with my favorite director that I've ever worked that I've worked with so far, Koganada, and under the leadership of Leslie Headland. It is incredible to see. I can't wait to see how this show turns out. She also noted that she won't appear on screen with leading series star Amanda Stenberg. She said, quote, Amanda Stenberg is such an incredible performer. I unfortunately didn't have any scenes with her, but I got to see a little bit of what they've been doing, and I think it's going to be epic, and it's nothing that anyone has seen before inside of that universe, unquote. She was also asked if she gets to use Star Wars' iconic lightsaber, to which she responded that she's not a Jedi, though she teased that she'll be using something exciting in place of that. Um... Klein, I want to hear your thoughts on that first. She's not a Jedi because she's a Sith. <laughs> Does she have like, you know, um, I didn't rewatch it, but I was watching someone talk about Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And there are those like cool knives that one of the yeah. guards has that's yeah. basically like a lightsaber in a way. Like, yeah. what if it's something like that? I think that'd be cool. Like, what if she's some kind of like assassin or maybe I've a Sith? I've always wanted to see like a lightsaber, like that technology as like a, like an axe or like a like a whip like, <laughs> i don't know how they would do it like how you would make <laughs> like an indiana jones light. whip with yeah, a light. Just rigid light but now i guess like flaccid light but like it'd be uh, sick um klein if you ever bothered to watch the family guy star wars specials you will see that a lightsaber was turned into a cheese cutter uh mm, i just broke my cheese cutter he, this week it was yeah. oh so you upsetting. need a lightsaber cheese cutter so you get, I get do. some cheese get a lightsaber and just chop that thing i bet it, it creates some kind of smoky flavor uh because it is mm. a lightsaber so it, um, it melted a little bit yeah just a little bit so just, just a wee bit you gotta put it in your mouth really quick or else it's gonna, it's gonna <laughs> be really hot though <laughs> it's okay it's okay um but yeah i i the weapon i think was kind of like the biggest thing 
that people were talking about with these quotes. But it is, again, I don't know if it was with you. I think it was with you. Like, we just keep hearing more people talk about this more show. People talking about the accolade, <laughs> cool Every week. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also lighthearted what i was a little confused because she said everything she's worked on before has been lighthearted and i look i have not like dove into her body of work or anything but i'm really curious like just how dark i think it's gonna, dude gonna be. i think it's i think it's i think this is gonna be the like I, in, I think, in comparison to andor let's do that like because andor is pretty darker dark i think it's going to be darker than andor i agree I think it'll be more moody than Andor. Ooh, good call. Yeah, and especially because I guess it's the Sith. Like you, I don't think. I, yeah, I also don't think it's gonna be very a very like. Whereas Andor, even though he ends up dying at the end of Rogue One, and but like even that death is kind of a happy ending. Like it's kind right. of hopeful. I don't think this is gonna be very. I don't know if there's gonna be like. I don't think it's gonna be good the way this series ends. I think it's going to be one season long and it's going to end in a way where we're going to go like, well, shit, like <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> uh, I agree. Um, it's just so weird. Cause it's a weird like time in the, in the star Wars universe or the, or the star Wars timeline. Um, because it's gonna make sense. I think, I think it's going to tie gonna way more into the prequels than we think it will. I think like, so too. Right, right now. Yeah. When, when this series finishes, we're all going to look back and go, Oh my God, like, why didn't we think of that? And it's going to tie way more into like the Phantom Menace and where we end up going. God, I cannot wait. There's going to remake the, the Phantom Menace, man. All the prequels. Everyone talks about That's remaking a, the sequels. So I wanted, I wanted that when, when Disney bought star Wars, I'm like, they're going to remake the prequels. I honestly, I think a lot of people were thinking that there, there, it was a different state of the star Wars fandom back when Disney, bought star wars. remember the live action like star wars tv show that was gonna supposed to come out right before disney bought star wars yeah it wasn't it like six ones um like the coruscant one yeah it was um, gonna be about bounty hunters or something yeah yeah, yeah. interesting maybe we, we could still get that i don't think so. Uh, a lot of people were i th there were some articles that came out about that uh not too long ago um i don't know we're getting a lot of star wars tv that's for sure and guys we're sticking with the acolyte here because uh, it could possibly get a little steamy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're the worst. Kids, gross. I wrote this story. I know you did. I saw it. Would you like to read it? I know you're taking this big swig of your your big alcoholic beverage. It's Klein's not alcoholic. It's wasted. a zero calorie soda. Zevia, if you want to sponsor oh, us. Oh, my sister <laughs> and her husband have a lot of those. Um, what flavor is it? Uh, creamy root beer. Ooh, I had a cream yeah. soda. I don't know if it was that, but this weekend with um with my alcoholic beverage, my my uh whiskey, whatever the hell it was. Anyway, um it has been revealed that Adelaide Waldrop Waldrop, Jesus Jack, Waldrop. Waldrop. But it's technically spelled Waldrop, but also Waldrop is the right pronunciation. She's been hired as the lead into intimacy coordinator on Disney Plus's The Acolyte, potentially indicating that a romantic subplot will be present in the Star Wars streaming series. The info came as part of Waldrop's list of projects on her agency's website. Despite when some people may think, Thomas Carter Rochester, about an intimacy coordinator being brought onto a project, this does not necessarily mean sex will be depicted on screen. Someone like Waldrop is needed on set even for kissing. 
An in intimacy coordinator is brought on a series or movie to help choreograph and coach talent through scenes of romantic interaction, ensuring the well-being of actors during these sequences. Fans made a similar mistake last year during the production of The Rings of Power when an intimacy coordinator was hired, and many thought this meant the Amazon Prime series was set to include sexual acts on screen. That was not the case, as only kissing ever made it into the streaming series. Klein, as, as this podcast, and I, I don't know if it was you or Thomas or David, uh, loved to point out that we, we got butt. And that was me, Andor. Which is such a weird way to phrase that. Um, I, I, I guess I don't think we're getting steamy. It was a hey, joke. Dude, actually, Marvel the, the, got to it eventually. Man, Star Wars is gonna do it. <laughs> the steamy word actually came from your article as as I one know. of the headlines in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, romantic subplot. I guess more of my question here is what romantic subplot do you think there will be? Will there possibly be some like Jedi Sith romantic yes. subplot yes. or maybe just within the Sith itself? And then there's backstabbing. No, I, think, and I think that the, the heart of this series, the, the crux at the center, think of it as a series as a nice big Georgia peach, you know, I've got Georgia on the mind. <laughs> yeah, is Georgia peach, the, the pit in the middle is going to be a Jedi Sith relationship it hasn't really really been done i guess we got mm -hmm. a sequel trilogy i guess yeah, but like kinda because i don't know if i would to me like the Sith ended at the prequels i don't know why and that's in my brain like that's just yeah, like that idea yeah so we're gonna get a jedi sith relationship right in the middle and yeah and i think so gonna, too they're out is there gonna be is there gonna be fucking <laughs> No, Klein. No, Klein. Star Wars is going that down into the rabbit hole. Um, I do, I, I guess my theory, my prediction, no, I'll stick with theory for now. It's not as strong of a word, is that one of these Jedi are going to get seduced to the dark side, mm. and that's going to ruin this romantic relationship between these two, pro probably like relatively young Jedi. I think Amanda Stenberg will be one of them. And it's going to cause that friction. And we know that the Jedi can't know about the Sith, technically speaking, until the Phantom Menace, because they talk about that in the Phantom Menace. So, like, I think it'd be cool. Like, what if one of the Jedi did know about the Sith, but didn't want to say anything because it's one of, like, someone that they love? Yeah. And and they're trying to figure it out on their own. Um, I don't know. We're diving so deep in, into this theory, or I am, and this show, like, we have, like, gotten nothing official from this show it seems like like i only think they brought it up at last year's celebration so um anyway next week star wars celebration God, that's crazy i guess yeah before we round out this uh rebel report next week is star wars celebration it starts i believe on friday yeah april 7th and goes until monday april 10th sounds like we should do some predictions next week oh shit yeah oh my god Oh my god! I don't even. I already kind of gave one of my predictions this episode about the movies. I'll have to save the rest. Um, if you want all the latest about the Star Wars universe, be sure to check out thedirect.com as well as all of our other friendly Star Wars outlets. And please, folks, I just before I say this, I just found out I'll be graduating from my master's program in the summer. And until I'm done with school in the summer, I will make sure to cite my damn sources you gotta keep do you gotta do it after you graduated as well i would say i cite sources more now writing news every day that i did ever even 
Klein, let me just be happy that like, (laughs) let me just like try to believe that I don't have to follow all these rules and restrictions that come with school. You know what's awesome? You know what the best feeling is about where you are right now? And you'll feel it very shortly after you graduate as well. But basically from now up until a little while after, and I think about it every once in a while, even now, you'll never, ever have to have something graded ever again. That just sounds fantastic. That's not great. Like you can just do do work and yeah, you'll get feedback and stuff like that. But you never have to sit there worrying like, oh my God, like if I like this is going to, they're going to look at this and give me some arbitrary number back and it's going to affect whether I can move on in this school or not. Yeah. I I was that asshole specifically in high school, maybe even middle school that would like just be worrying nonstop about their grade. And I would get like a, some sort of a, and everyone hated me for it because then I would keep worrying about it. Everyone's like, oh, here's Jack complaining. He's got to get like a B or C or D on this. He's going to get an A. And then I remember the couple of times when I actually did get like a C or something, I was just distraught. It just, it ruined my day. It ruined my week. I remember it, it was very, month. it was a very big revelation for me going from high school into college when I start like when <laughs> yeah. I like got my first thing back and it was like, it had like a 75% on it. And I was like, oh, Okay, I guess this is fine. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, <laughs> I guess, it's just a weird I guess switch. this is okay. <laughs> I, I've seen people strive for worse. Um, Do you ever get a zero? I got a zero once in college, and it like it sh- it ruined me because you like, like forgot four. to submit something, or because no, I submitted actually... it and they said I did it wrong. They let me redo it, but like they said I did it completely Whoa. wrong, and I I I still to this day will will go to bat and say I did it right. But I redid it and I ended up getting an okay grade. But I think I have, but only because I missed an assignment. I I think one year for like a course, I didn't have to take the final because even if I didn't take it, um, I would pass the class. And I still took it, but I I got like a like a you didn't care. You were just like I'll, I'll I didn't write, study yeah. at all. I just I'll write some answers on because I was like. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's jump from the Rebel Report into why you why you are all here today unless you are a huge Bad Batch fan. In that case, it's been fun. See you later. Um we're going to get into The Mandalorian chapter 21 of a bit of a review, a bit of a breakdown. We'll go through beat for beat, plot by plot, happening by happening, Mando by Mando, Baby Yoda moment by Baby Yoda moment. Baby Jack Jack Pews, this week's episode titled the pirate. What does the pirate say, Jack? Arg. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Chapter 21 of The Mandalorian. General thoughts, your thoughts and feelings. Spoiler free, of course, to start before we dive mm. into the spoiler pool. What did you think about Chapter 21 here, Jack? Best episode of the season so far, in okay, my opinion. I, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it's the worst titled episode of the series so far, the entire show. Which pirate are they talking about? Exactly. <laughs> I won't say too much until we get in spoilers, but it's the worst titled episode of the show so far to date. Um, but yeah, it's the best episode of the season. I'm. It was honestly a sigh of relief for me after watching this because it's like, okay, I feel like we're back on track. Like we, we know what we're doing. We kind of know where we're going. It was also just a great episode in and of itself. Um, there's some great action. And I think I was just like enthralled, unlike I have been in some of the episodes so far. Like, 
I know with episode one and two, I kept saying like, I really liked it. I really liked it. Even maybe episode three, I was like, I really liked it. I can say I loved this episode. Like, and I rewatched, this is the first one where like, I was excited to rewatch it before like coming on here. Um, where all the other ones, like e- even episode three, which I <laughs> really liked, it, it's just, it, it felt more like a process to, and, and like a thing. It's like, okay, I got to rewatch this to kind of remind myself. Um, had a great time with it. And I think it's a great setup for what's to come in the rest of the season, even though I don't know what's going to come in the rest of the season. I do wish, though, this feels much more like a midway point of the season rather than the episode after the technical midway point. I feel like it should have been episode four. I, I think they could have combined two of the episodes that we've gotten so far to make this episode four, but also do what the story demands. So I'll have to wait and see before I make an official judgment. But Klein, thoughts on this episode, Mando chapter 21. I also loved it. Uh, This is the first episode of the season that I, watching it a second time, I was kind of like, okay, like maybe there's some flaws here and there. But this is the first episode of the season where I was just, the first time watching was fully taken away. Like I was Mm -hmm. just giddy and giggly and watching it. And in spite of its flaws, in spite of its weird puppetry at points and stuff like that, (laughs) I was just like giggling. I'm like, this is Star Wars, man. Like, oh yeah, like let's go. And so I, I really, I really enjoyed this episode. We'll jump right into everything that happened beat for beat with our Mando breakdown. And as always, we pull a quote from the episode, Jack, and we get into the plot. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is a good I, one. I didn't look. I didn't look at it. I'm still not looking. You may not have a home planet, but you do now have a home. Mando chapter 21, the yeah. pirate. We open on Navarro and guess what, guys? Trouble is afoot the pirates from episode one they are back and they are not happy that grief carga carl weathers shout out um and mandalorian or and the mandalorian gunned down some of his men in cold blood the pirates begin opening fire on the city and guess what jack what it's time to oh i'm a, okay okay i need to get in i need to get in the mode <laughs> evacuate the city Engage all defenses and get this man a Mando. Let's do it. Let's Jump go. to a New Republic base and a banger of an alien vocal rock track is playing. Oh my god, it's really good. I can't wait till this comes to Spotify. It had this like weird like like voice in it. We find Captain Tiva from last season, also known as the main dad from Kim's Convenience, featuring Simu Liu, who is a Canadian god. Receiving a message from Grief Karga, and he is being asked for help. He says, Car- he says, Tiva, you're our only hope, you know, the whole thing. Um, and standing beside him is none other than Zeb Aurelius from Star Wars Rebels. Let's Tiva heads yeah. in their direction, but first needs to make a pit stop on Coruscant. Quick break, Jack, Star Wars Rebels correspondent number one. How excited were you were when you saw this purple man walk on screen? <laughs> okay, I think I said in this episode, I went to Universal yesterday. So and we woke up or I woke up at 4:45 I think to get ready. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to watch some of it before we go and then I'm going to watch the rest of it in the car. And so I think I was just chilling in my house, very tired and groggy watching this. And I think I kind of like looked away for a second. I thought I heard like kind of like a familiar voice. I look at the screen. It's this this big, like huge guy on screens, purple. And it took a few seconds to register what was happening. Yeah, I know. Same with me. I was like, wait a second. 
Yeah. Oh I was my like, god. I, I, this is stupid me. I, I kind of started thinking. I was like, oh, is that like? <laughs> this is so dumb. I was like, oh, he kind of reminds me of um, Cal Kestis's master. I wonder if like somehow he's around. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> it's, Cal, it's happening. <laughs> It's like Klein's gonna get his wish, but no, it's fucking Zeb. It's fucking Zeb from Star Wars Rebels. I was so hyped. This is like, I, I was questioning myself at first. I was like, are they doing it? And then I really heard the voice. I was like, oh yeah, they're doing it. And I'm like, yeah, why? Like the first, uh, oh, God, I don't know his. Oh, Lasat. The first Lasat we see like in live action on screen is not gonna be Zeb. Yeah, okay, of course it's Zeb. And he sounded great. He looked phenomenal. He looked amazing. I can't even begin to describe how good he looks, how real it looked. And they still use some CGI in there, I'm sure. Like, I just, it it's insane. And it's insane how well he fit the vibe of the show. Like, it wasn't just the, the Star Wars Rebels version of like, oh, oh, I almost did the record voice. But like, you know, like where he's like making fun of Ezra and like just joking around and just like, <laughs> yeah. We like didn't just, get a carabast. I was waiting for that. I, was <laughs> I better come in Ahsoka, bro. It, it, he has to be in Ahsoka now. Um, I'm just, he I'm blown away. The thing that I was most impressed visually with him is I've been a little hesitant in some of these animation live action transitions. Sure. Cad Bane, I was not the biggest fan of in the way was he the looked. Best. I like, I can't believe how good Zeb looks. He it's looks shocking. he looks fantastic, and yeah, I'm. I, I was about to ask you, is he going to be in Ahsoka? You're goddamn right, he's going to be in Ahsoka. Oh, guys. Yeah. This is the Star Wars Rebels sequel that we've been waiting for, and goddamn, it's I mean, going to be amazing. He's got like the. I mean, he's he's got kind of like a rebellion. They all have like rebellion outfits. Well, on that's what they are. They're they're at like a, he's part of the New Republic yeah. fleet. Like hell yeah, he is. And I like the idea of he's at one point says, um, "We haven't heard from Coruscant in weeks." And I like the idea of seeing these people, particularly Zeb in this case, but we're going to see more of it, who fought in the Rebellion, who may not be, and and Captain Tiva, who aren't going to be too happy with what's been going on with the New Republic and and, and how they're running things and how disorganized things are. And I, I don't know. I, just, I love seeing a character who was part of the Rebellion in this new light, in this new way, who, who fought in those, like, in those wars and battles that we all think about when we think about the original trilogy. And and now he's here in a new age. It's just it's so cool. Um, he fit right in. He, he wasn't too, for lack of a better word, animated. It, it was kind of like laid back. And we've seen Harrison Dula in the leaked footage for Ahsoka, so we know there's going to be New Republic stuff involved. And he's a hundred percent going to be there. This was great. It's a great opening to the episode as a whole. Also, um, I, I can't get enough of Carl Weathers. Uh, I like that the pirates came back. I, I'm glad they weren't just kind of like one off. I hate this things. this Kelp man, dude. I can't. The hologram <laughs> with him talking to Carl Weathers. I'm like, this looks terrible. This is this okay. Does not look the, here's my thing. The design does not look great. Like it's not a great design concept for me. I like the concept. It's just the puppetry. It's the mouth. <laughs> the mouth was bad. The mouth. That's what I was back to Navarro. <laughs> it so didn't silly. match what he was saying. But I will say the guy who who does the voiceover. I, I like the voice. The voice was phenomenal. I'm glad we heard more of it because it was again not over the top, not too animated. It was it, it had a sense of being realistic. And I'm trying to what's the guy's name? Gorian Shard. The guy is um Nonzo Anozi. I 
Anozai. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably not. Um, he is in Game of Thrones. I know that he's in a ton of stuff though. Um, I'm trying, I don't know like what his most popular role is. I know him personally from Game of Thrones. He's one of the guys in Karth, uh, who like betrays Daenerys and then she locks him in a tomb and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. I think he did a great job with the voice over here. Um, great setup for the episode as a whole. On Coruscant, Tiva meets with Captain Tuttle, played by SNL alum Tim Meadows. And boy, did that almost got me to pop as hard as that coming cool. up on screen did. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, oh my God, that's Tim Meadows. That's the ladies' man. Uh, he requests help from the New Republic. And Elia Kane just happens to be walking by and goes, hey, boss, you, you want anything from the commissary? I'm headed down there. I'm going to get some, some of those travel biscuits and whatever. Yeah. Just, I just happened to be passing by. Oh, what are you talking about? And Tim Meadows goes, Oh, you know, Aliyah, you worked in the Outer Rim before. Have you heard of this Navarro place? And she goes, Yeah, well, you know, boss, they, they haven't signed the charter. Like, they're not a they're not a member of the New Republic. Uh-oh, that's not gonna be that's doesn't look good. Things yes. that the basically the um New Republic, they're not they're not gonna help them. So back on Navarro, the evacuated citizens and Karga, they hole up. In the wilderness, watching their city burn, Tiva, meanwhile, flies. He's he's leaving Coruscant behind. These bureaucrats, they don't know anything. Flies to this Mando desert planet that we've been on for the last few episodes to ask for help. The Mandos, they come out not impressed. Go away. What do they call him? Blue blood Blue or boy. something? <laughs> Blue boy. Didn't realize that you know he needs to help Karga and Navarro, so he makes a pitch to the covert. Paz Vizsla gets up to speak, and just when it sounds like it's not going to happen... Boom, switcheroo. We do it because we're Mandalorians and we're jetting off the whole covert. We're going on a mission. Jack, this whole sequence, Coruscant, the covert, all that. Any notes at all? Uh, just starting with the covert real quick. I This is a switcheroo that worked for me. I genuinely didn't know. I got hyped. What, I, I knew there was, said, I knew there was gonna be a decision. I'm like, yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> I, I like I didn't I knew there was gonna be a moment where it was gonna confirm which side he was on, but I genuinely did not know what he was gonna choose. Thought that worked great. Um, I liked just like the mutual respect between Mando and Tiva, uh, and the, yeah, the course on stuff again. It, it's the bureaucracy, like like you said, like it's just getting in the way, and and how different that is from the rebellion itself and actually the, fighting the, the good Tim fight. The Tim Meadows line when she goes like, oh, "Sorry, not a member of state." He goes. Oh, like, that's, <laughs> ooh, that's not gonna do you any favors like it's just so like i don't know it's it's real so like that, oh she it. forgot her membership card this week yes oh, exactly yeah, right. like, we see like this shit at, all the time the in real life yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that yeah I, I thought that played great um and i i just think it's gonna be an interesting exploration i like that tiva's putting the pieces together that shit is going on like like th mm -hmm. th there is shit going on out in the outer rim or wherever I really they like, are. And I'm, and I really like Elia Kane. Like I'm really, yeah. the like more the they show it. of her, the more I'm like, yeah, like mm -hmm. you're so bad. Like you're, Shh. you're evil. <laughs> Elia Kane, 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 Kane. And, um, and I guess the actress who plays her, Katie O'Brien, like the way she didn't seem like too in for like, enforcing of like oh no no we can't go help them we no, no, no. it was it's very so subtle casual yeah yeah it's, it's like, like look like sometimes you know, like, you, you need a new yeah. perspective to see the light and it, it's i love the, i love the, I love what the does he say like you didn't know anything till you were captured 
yeah i was liberated like it's just like oh man you are yeah it's so great good. She's, she's great i'm really liking Aliyah. anyways the plan is for the mandos to distract or mando dinjarin to distract the pirate starfighters while the rest of the other mandalorians land and take a ground assault on navarro after drawing the pirate ships away it becomes clear what din is actually doing to the pirates and that's when we get this kelp monster going Recall all the snub fighters. We're going in on the ground. Um, and so on the ground, we see Paz Vizsla and so many Mandos basically wrecking shop, just like going to town. There are a few moments of tension where like they come around a corner and they get surrounded and they get stuck behind, like they get stuck because of a sniper at one point, which, in, which launches into the armorer, just like, kicking ass just being john wick with these like <laughs> welding tools essentially which is very cool That's um then fun. from there vane the pirate we saw in the first episode goes see you later captain i'm out of here <laughs> and flies away meanwhile mando and Bo they take down the big pirate ship um launching the evil kelp monster pirate into a fiery death on the navarro hillside and bye-bye skeleton crew theories of these people being the bad guys in that show because they're I, all dead. Um, I have thoughts. What do you, you have thoughts? Okay, Jack, let's get into those thoughts. Are is one? Is this the? Are these guys going to be? Is this Kelp Monster going to be the bad guy in Skeleton Crew? <laughs> Two. How does that work? Okay, I look. There is that theory that came out, that rumor that they were going to be, and I can't speak to that at all. But I will speak to the fact that they still could because Klein, Dave Filoni, Skeleton has, Crew takes place exactly. Exactly. Like we know it's around this time, but it could have been right before this. In, in particular, could have been between episode one and now. Yes, Tiva's talking about how like pirates are getting involved. Maybe they're work kind of working with the Empire just to bring in more chaos into the New Republic. And so, like, what if we see that happen in Skeleton Crew, and this was the result of it? Now they're going to come bring their chaos in, in, into the galaxy. Um, I think they still could be. I, maybe not like the main villains of Skeleton Crew, but like. You, like kind of like those like recurring kind of like what they are here in, in this show like the recurring bad guys and and eventually they get killed off um well it wouldn't be in skeleton crew at this point but still um dave filoni talked a bunch about how like ahsoka is gonna not mess with the timeline but it, it, not everything's gonna be linear so i could certainly see it happening um but overall i thought this action was great this was some Mando action. I like my I favorite part for. was the vein going, he's under you, boom, and then he's <laughs> over you, boom. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, so good. they can't win, and especially against that I want to say, like, shout out to the musical team for oh. Mandalorian as a franchise as a whole, because it blows me away that here we are in 2023 on a Disney Plus streaming service, and you can play two notes. And I know who you're t like, I know Instantly. who exactly who is like the action. You know what I mean? Is these two that woo -woo, and like he comes up and boom, there it is. There's Mando. It's just, it's so crazy to me that we are in a place that we're, I guess, five years, how many years since this first season. And the music is so recognizable that you can just do that. It's like playing yeah. the, the 1989, just a little bit of the Batman theme when Michael Keane's Batman shows up in the flash. Superman like, theme. Crazy to me that that's where we are. Yeah, streaming series is has a character that is has. I would say that he probably has like one of the more iconic like personal musical themes oh. in Star Wars by far, dude. By far, like it, it's so iconic at this point, and, and not even the two notes, but also like the little flute, like the wow, 
Like, I don't even know how to do yeah. the sound, but like when it comes, it's, it's so cool. And you just, it, it adds to everything, but also the music for like the pirates when they're attacking Navarro, I, I, I can't think of it in my head right now because I said the Mando theme playing, but it was, it was great. It was threatening. And, and Ludwig is not doing the music this season. It's, um, no. oh, I forget his name. Um, and I think he also did the book of Boba Fett. Um, but it, it Whoever he is, he's definitely worked with Ludwig and he's taken what Ludwig did and, and just expanding on it, doing his own thing. I think it's been fantastic. Um, but yeah, the, the action was the big highlight here for me. Um, I think a lot of the action this season has been great, but th- this was the one I was waiting for and, and happy we finally got it here. It's crazy that even when they were on the ground, there was a little bit of me thinking like, okay, this does kind of feel like a set. Like this doesn't feel super duper real. I cannot believe how good these aerial flights look in this show or in same with book of Boba Fett. Whenever they get in the ship, it just, it looks incredible. And I don't know what the, I'm not a VFX artist, so I have no idea. (laughs) I've had no idea what, how production even works, but like, I'd be interested to know why that is. But anyways, the last little bit of the episode, They've won. They've taken down the pirates. It's over. The kelp monster has died. For helping Grief Karga seeds some of Navarro to the Mandalorians. And that's when we get the line. You don't have a home planet, but now you have a home. However, very quickly after that happens, Bo, Paz Vizsla, comes over, taps her on the shoulder and says, Bo, the armorer wants to speak to you. The armorer pulls her aside and says, this is our humble forge. We sat here in the sewers for however long. I've been to the Great Forge of Mandalore, but they do the same thing. You know, the big the big one and the small one, they do the same thing. They accomplish the same task. Anyways, the armorer brings up to Bo the Mythosaur and basically tells her, girl, you are the chosen one. You are walk- walking both worlds, I think is the exact phrasing. Yeah, I think so. You are walking both worlds. You are going to be the one who can bring all of the Mandalorians together. So the armor. She goes over to her and says, Bo, take off that helmet and walks her through the whole covert with Bo's face out. And everyone is like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) it's time to retake Mandalore is what the armor says. And Bo is the one that can bring them all together. And so she sends her off on a mission to unite the Mandalorians and basically say, like, hey, you can not wear your mask. You can wear your like bring together all of the different sects, even though. I got weird sinister vibes from the armor here. Don't know why. I just dude, same. Like it felt the music and everything, and they were shooting up at her. It's like, what she what she got planning on? What she doing here? The music we cut back. was like the big thing. Yeah, it was very sinister music. Yeah, we we leave Navarro very briefly at the very end of the episode to find Tiva flying through space. Oh, what's this? He comes across a floating, uh, floating Imperial. I guess it's New Republic ship now, but I know it as the Emperor's ship with the cool folding little wings. Shuttle. Yeah, little shuttle. And it seems that this prison transport he finds has been taken advantage of. It's not in good shape. Turns out it was Moff Gideon's ship. The rumors are true. He never made it to court, and he is someone out there. However. He goes R5 or R6 or whoever his R7, I think is what the droid is, sends in a little tracker thing and they find some leftover Beskar oil or alloy. And we finish the episode with Tiva going, 
the Mandal who took the who took Moff Gideon? The Mandal, the Mandalorians? And then it ends. And that's it. So Moff Gideon out there, seemingly taken by some Mandalorians of some sort. Do they have any connection to the armorer? Mm. I don't know. Jack, I want to quickly get into a listener question here. Mike, Mike from the podcast Comics in Motion, which Thomas was on last week. So please go check that out on podcast services around the globe. He says, okay, so what do you think about Bo being able to walk both worlds? Do you still dust, distrust the armorer? And did you think the Pirate King was underused slash would have liked to have seen him again? Very quickly <laughs> on the Pirate King. I'm a, you know what? I'm okay with where I'm okay we were. too. <laughs> I, I still think we might anymore. see him again in Skeleton Crew, but I, I'm okay. Uh, I, I think he served we, his purpose. He did serve his purpose. He was very like 1980s movie villain to me. Like very like mm-hmm. <laughs> I like never ending story or like Goonies or I don't know. Just never one of those like rollicking adventures. Exactly. <laughs> Jack, the most important question here though. What do you think about Bo being able to walk both worlds? Mm. I don't really quite understand what this means, to be completely honest. I don't know. Let's just talk about Bo as a whole leaving this episode. What do we think about this twist that she's gonna, I don't know, unite the Mandalorians? Yeah. Um, I like it a lot. I was with you. I really did not think we were about to go to a good place when the armorer wanted to talk to Bo. I was like, oh shit. I thought she's gonna be like kind of be jealous about the mythosaur sighting and, and and whatever else that she was able to come so quickly into the covert and, and basically be respected by so many, lead this covert in a way, maybe taking her the armor's like authority. And when she said take off that helmet, I thought it was a trick. I was like, no, no, Bo, don't do it. She's tricking you. Um, but I was completely wrong, at least for now. Um I do think the armor is being sincere in a way, but I do think she still will come into play as an antagonist of sorts. So here's where I'm also confused about both worlds because the armor says at one point, like we need everyone to follow the way. Like this ain't going to work unless all Mandalorians are following the way of the Mandalore. And it's like, I understand if she maybe wants Bo to take off her helmet in a way to unite them Or all. she's saying we can adapt the way. Or coexist. The way can be anything, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. So like that, that's where I'm confused. It's like, does she just want Bo to take her helmet off when she's recruiting Mandos and then they're going to go back to everyone wearing their helmet and just using that as like a marketing ploy, if you will? Or is it like, hey, no, we can coexist or as you said, it just adapt the way as a whole to where it can kind of, you know, just be whatever. But like you, you had to still follow some of these princi- principles of the way. Like, I don't know. It, it's a little up in the air. Um, I, I, I still distrust the armor a little bit. I, I think there's still going to be tension between Mandalorians, but I did say the season in some way was going to be about uniting Mandalorians. I thought Din would be at the center of that. I, I thought the armor would kind of be like, the, like, one angel on his shoulder or angel or devil, depending on your point of view saying like, no, we got to follow this way. And then Bo would be like, no, we got to follow this way, but that's not what's going on. Um, I don't really know how I feel about that. I wish Din was still a little bit more at the center of the show than, you know, not more than Bo, but just he, he is the Mandalorian that we've all fallen in love with. And I feel like the, tension's is the Mandalorian. Been taken off. Yeah. Tension has been taken off of him a little bit. So, um, but yeah, I, it, there's still confusion, but I oh, God, I'm just so happy. We have a direction 
for these mandos specifically. It's like because last week I was like, what are we, what are they doing? What is their point? What is their purpose? We, they're just out going, there shooting right? in the water, and and now we kind of have like <laughs> shoot at the they water. Were, oh, it's I like they dang, they dang. like it's like what are we doing? Like it's like, it doesn't even look like training. We'll shooting. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. I thought it was dumb. Dark, but um, can yeah, I ask I, you I, I, coming so out of this episode? Who broke out Moff Gideon? I think it is Imperials who have Beskar armor or just Beskar stuff. Can I say uh, something weapons. crazy to you? Yeah, I think it was the I think the armor was directly Do involved. Really? I don't think she did it, but I think she. I think there's some shady shit going on. I actually also maybe have a theory that like, did Bo-Katan was she involved? I see. That's where that's that's. I don't know how there. recent that ship was taken. It's right? true, but no. Uh, see, I don't think so. Just because of season two and the way it ended, like she was so bell hent on like getting to Moff Gideon. If, if I don't know why she would want to, br- and again, this could be a big twist that we see coming, but I don't know at this point why she'd want to break him out and just not kill him right away. You know, um, we see I him could, next week, probably right. Oh, I think so. I think if it's not Imperials who just... Because look, remember, there was the Great Purge. Imperials who still are out there have a lot of Beskar, or some of them do at least. I mean, that's how Mando got his suits because he did the, the the job, the bounty hunting job for, to get Grogu to the Imperials and they gave him a bunch of Beskar. So I could easily just see this being as like a setup. May, maybe Tiva tells Din and Bo saying like, hey, Mandalorians helped... Gideon escape, and then there are these Mandalorians that we meet, and they're like, "No, we didn't do it." But there's that still that tension there. It's like maybe they did do it, maybe they didn't, and then all is revealed at the end. I don't know. I could also see Mandalorians who decided to start working for the Empire again. I mean, they they were there in Star Wars the Rebels, Death Watch 2.0, in a way, yeah. And they were there in Star Wars Rebels, people who Mandos who were dedicated to the Empire, um, in in some way, and so maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. Um, but if I had to guess, I would still stick with Imperials. Do we know what happened to Maul? In in what sense? Is Maul dead? Yeah. Oh, we yeah. won't kill them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, in Rebels. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. We, we, we got there. <laughs> I, had the, I had the... In my head, I had the hologram of him in Solo, and I'm like, wait... Could he still be like, could Death Watch like still exist? But like, there were still like Mandos who followed him. And, and that's why people think the armor might be one of them because she kind of has the horns. Yeah. So I, like, there's just been so many different factions of Mandos. And that's why I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some who are following Gideon in some way. Now, I've got a couple quick hit questions for you, and then we can get out of here today. But from our very own Thomas Carter Rochester, because he can't or he isn't here because he's off schmoozing and palloozing with the public. <laughs> he wants to ask, will Bo-Katan challenge for the Darksaber by the end of this year, or episode? Or not episode, season. Oh, God. I don't know, because I really thought like she would have earlier in the season. But then if she does... I'm going to be mad because I want her to train Din with a Darksaber. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say no as well. I want Din with that Darksaber. I want to see him fight with it properly. Uh, maybe she gets it, maybe not challenges for it, but maybe gets it at one point and uses it like she has before in the season. But no, I want to see her train Din. Where the hell is Fen Rao, he asks. I am going to be completely honest. Had to look up who Fen Rao was very quickly. Um, Understandable. I'm going to tell you right now, Thomas, I don't know where he is. Jack... Hmm. I think we see him this season. 
at, with some group of mandos because uh, he he fought with the rebels uh for a little bit there um and then he went back with and started working with um sabine wren's family the, the wren clan and other mandos um to just help liberate mandalore fight the empire and other mandos who worked with the empire whatever else um so maybe he's off with the new republic right now or maybe he's just chilling with other mandalorians I, but i i think he does appear this season and that's gonna be a i don't know actually i do think i know who plays him but it's gonna be a big like point it's gonna be another cameo it's like oh shit but he's gonna play more of a role okay and then last question from thomas is christopher lloyd an old Mandy mandalorian wizard what is this in reference to do you know the mandalorian wizard part or christopher lloyd I know who Christopher Lloyd is. He's Doc I Brown. know you know who Christopher Lloyd is. Okay. Yeah. But do you not remember the rumor or the report? I don't know what it was. Is he he's in this? A, is he in the Mandalorian? In the yeah. Oh. I think I it came from Bespin Bulletin, but I could be wrong about that. Let me look. Hang on. Na, 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 so is he, they're going to come to Mandalore and they're going to find him like in some, some cave and maybe if he is like some kind of Mandalorian wizard, it'd be pretty funny. I don't think that's the case. I, I was always kind of thinking he's going to be like some kind of Imperial. Um, mm. Hang on. Here's the Hollywood reporter in March of 2022. So this was a year I ago. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I don't know if they were the ones who first broke. I feel like there was a smaller outlet and then THR came out, but anyway, yeah, he, he, he's going to be in this thing. And I think he addressed it at one point. Um, I, I, I kind of want him to be a bad guy. I want him in like a Tim Meadows kind of role. I want him to be Tim Meadows' boss. son. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Katie O'Brien walks up and goes, so I'm going to go get some root beer. Did you, did you need anything? And then Marty. one last. <laughs> this is getting heavy, man. Um, One last question coming from Matt Remke. He's already been mentioned on the show over at the Direct Podcast. Let's look at everybody's favorite episodes of The Mandalorian, Okay. We've had a few very good Mandalorian episodes in these three seasons. How involved is Grogu in any of those episodes? Not very involved in this one. No. And this I would say also one. not like some of the other great Mandalorian episodes, like even the end of season two with Luke Skywalker. See, I pushed back. I thought about that one at first. Like, yeah. He's at the center of it, bro. I know. And, and, I know. So here's the Luke I think, Skywalker. I thing think Matt's just me. trying to be spicy here. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think that. I think Grogu is intrinsic to this series, even when he's not. He that dude is so freaking cute, and he shows up, and all I need is just one little moment. He just shows up and goes like, he just makes a little noise, and I go, yes, thank you. Exactly. Um, I look season two, the finale, the Luke Skywalker thing just made me jump and cheer and freak out. But then it was the Grogu scene with Din and Din taking his helmet off that broke me. That was instantly thrown away in the garbage because they needed to bring them back together. Yes, I I know, but still. And I count those Book of Boba Fett episodes as Mandalorian episodes. He's at the center of that one with Luke Skywalker. Um, Episode three of season one, when Din goes to save him, I think that's one of the best episodes of the season, and he's a big part of that. The finale of season one, when he stops the fire and all this. like, So I, I, I I see what... Matt's point is, and I do agree, there, there's something we should recognize in that there is a lot of great stuff in The Mandalorian that does not involve Grogu. And it, that that fact just gets lost because it is Grogu and he sells toys and they, he makes Star Wars money and everyone loves him and he's cute. But yeah, so like there's definitely 
there's a point to be made there, but I still say like a lot of my favorite episodes, Grogu has either big moments or it is just like the emotional center. Oh, the Ahsoka episode. Like, mm-hmm. yes, Ahsoka's in that episode, but my God, her scenes with Grogu and Grogu trying to train and learning That's more when about we found him. found out his like, name was Grogu. Exactly. I've said exactly like a trillion times in this episode uh, or this episode of the podcast because I just keep agreeing with you, Klein. We're on the same wavelength today. We are the same person. We've never <laughs> been seen in the same room. And of course, you can always write in every week with your thoughts, feelings, concerns about the Mandalorian. And Luca B over on Twitter said, hey, guys, Mando just keeps getting better every episode. Can't wait to see where we go in these last three episodes. Three episodes, just very quickly, Jack. I can't believe there's three weeks left in this. After everything that's been set up now, the action continues to be amazing. Plus, I love seeing Captain Tiva overall. Or again, overall, a really great episode, Smiley Face. Shout out, Luca. Thank you so much for writing in with your thoughts and feelings. Um, I am in agreement with you. I think that this season so far has kind of gotten better and better every week. Mm -hmm. And I really like this episode. Now, Jack... I want to quickly mention before we get out of here, you can go just like Luca did over to Rec- at Reckless Rebels on Twitter. Send us your questions, comments, concerns, feelings. We are really trying to push the Twitter, even though Elon is taking just so much of it away from us. God, it sucks, man. <laughs> but please go over there. If you listen to the show, follow us. Let us know you listen. Say hello. We're really friendly. We're trying to put up as much stuff over there as we can. That's at Reckless Rebels on Twitter. And Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a review, rating, subscribe, the whole shebang, five stars, five stars. And while you're at it, over there in those reviews, leave us a, leave us a review and we will read it on the show. As long as there's no, like, I don't know, obscene language. Like, I don't want no <laughs> slurs in my five-star reviews, okay? But if you leave it, read us a review, leave us a review. We will read it here on the show. We love interacting with you. Now, Jack. Before we go, this is my, I, I, we do a Star Wars podcast, but my favorite part of the show is the recommendations. <laughs> so, Jack, do you have any recommendations for the audience right now? I'm trying to think of more of an original one, but I can't. Okay. The Sopranos. First, I'm Jack. <laughs> well, it's going to be kind of like that. Uh, High Noon Tequila Seltzer. Oh, my God. Um, the, the, the tequila is new. It's usually vodka. Um, it's great. I mean, it, it tastes similar to the vodka ones, but there is a little bit of difference because it is tequila. If you like tequila, um, it's phenomenal. This We're not paid by uh, High Noon in any way, shape, or form. I would be okay with being paid by High Noon. I would too. High Noon, if you want. Uh, Dave Portnoy, hit me up on Twitter. Um, But yeah, they're they're great. Good alcoholic beverage. Uh, So not the Sopranos this week, but my my favorite show of all time. It's my second favorite show of all time. My favorite show of all time, Breaking Bad. I'm rewatching it very quickly. I look. When I work, so much of my work I can do with the TV on. When I binge something, I binge it. I started this probably like a week and a half ago. I'm almost done with the show. Um, it's just like on for me nonstop whenever I can have it on. And it it's the best show of all time, plain and simple. Like if you haven't watched it, I, like I understand my fiance. She's not a big. She was she couldn't really get into it because it's not her style. But I, truly though, I think even. If it's not your style, you're going to understand why this show is just pure greatness. It's it's just phenomenal writing, phenomenal acting. It's when everything about filmmaking or just whatever you want to call it comes together to make this perfect collaboration of content. And yeah, Breaking Bad. Go watch it, folks. 
I'm watching Better Call Saul. It's really good. That's that, that's also it's phenomenal. <laughs> we just finished season three last night, uh, which is just is very very good. Also, very quickly, a little movie. If you have a chance, head out to the theater. Go see this little art house film that's going around right now called John Wick Four. <laughs> oh my god! Oh I still haven't my god. seen it. You want to talk? You still haven't seen it, Jack? No, because I you was want to talk about filmmaking and acting and music and action and everything coming together in a one. It might be one of the best action movies ever made. I'm like, I am very seriously looking at my top twenty movies of all time list right now because Whoa. I. I think it might be up there. It is so good. I need to see wow. it a couple more times. I will say, Jack, there's one sequence in particular in this movie that when you do see it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about that I have never seen anything like this before, ever. Oh my God. It was mesmerizing to see it on screen for the first time. So you need to go and watch it. Go see John Wick 4. I will go now, see it. <laughs> I, for, I forgot to bring it up earlier, Jack. Where can everybody find you on social media? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pews. It's P-U-E-S, all one word. You can find me everywhere. I'm at the Kleinfeld, T-H-E-K-L-E-I-N-F-E-L-T. And I host a video game podcast called Controller Club, which is very much like this, a little more buttoned up. We're going to be doing a Tetris movie review this week, guys. Let's go. I'm so excited. I forgot about <laughs> that, that movie. Yeah, it's happening. Can't Taron wait. Egert. Er- Egerton is it? Egerton. Taron yeah. Egerton, yeah. yeah. And, oh, um, and Air comes out, by the way. Uh, ben Affleck as Michael, well. Michael yes. Jordan. Uh, but that is going to do it for this episode of Reckless Rebellion. Sentience and Droids, we have reached the end of another episode. Remember, the Force is your ally and a powerful ally it is. We have spoken. Get some twin sunlight. Stay hydrated. This was podcasting. Yippee!